Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this Inc. Insight HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent Inc. video, Five Leadership Lessons from Apple CEO Tim Cook. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this Inc. Insight HCI podcast episode. Today, I'll be exploring the recent Inc. video, Five Leadership Lessons from Apple CEO Tim Cook. In this video, they present five lessons all entrepreneurs can learn from Apple CEO Tim Cook's leadership style. They'll lay out the five lessons. I'll intersperse some of my own thoughts and commentary, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first Tim Cook famously doesn't crave the spotlight, but as CEO of Apple, he also can't escape it. It's Tim Cook's job to lead the most valuable company in the world, and it's under that leadership that Apple has seen the most extraordinary growth of any company over the past decade. It's with this wealth of experience and success that Cook is able to provide some great insights for leaders about stewarding an organization. We've gathered five lessons that can benefit everyone from Cook's leadership style. First of all, there's many things I just really appreciate about Tim Cook. I appreciate that he's a humble leader, someone who doesn't crave the the spotlight, one who is actually willing to seek the input from people all around him and humble enough to listen to that input and even try to act upon it. So you'll see how that plays out in these five tips that they'll be presenting. But I think at the at the core, it's the fact that he isn't so full of himself. He isn't arrogant. He's not a narcissist. He isn't in it for him and his own power and prestige and you know the opportunity for him to be the spotlight. I love that about him. I love that about other leaders with a similar kind of an approach. And I think you'll see how that plays out in these upcoming tips. Number one. Diversity of leadership. Diversity isn't just an HR buzzword. In fact, a plurality of backgrounds among your employees can actually help the revenue of your company. The idea behind this philosophy is that people bring lots of different experiences to the table, and companies that can harness the most amount of creative experiences will be more innovative in their approach to business. We want diversity of thought, he says. We want diversity of style. We want people to be themselves. It's this great thing about Apple. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to put on a face when you go to work and be something different. But the thing that ties us all is we're brought together by values. We wanna do the right thing. We wanna be honest and straightforward. We admit when we're wrong and we have the courage to change. The fact that diversity of leadership is essential 
in innovative, in a productive, effective organizations is not new. Uh, he did not come up with this, of course. Uh, people have been talking about it for a really long time. And the research is pretty darn clear on the business case for diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, as well as, of course, the human case for it, that we just want to treat everyone with dignity and respect, and we want everyone to be able to come to the workplace as their whole authentic self and to be able to contribute uh, based on their unique background and their uh, worldview and their experiences and their their unique talents, skills, abilities, and capa uh, capabilities and competencies. Uh, but the reason why this is brought up in relation to Tim Cook is that is this is something that he truly and sincerely values. He recognizes that diversity is key, and he isn't just giving lip service to it. He truly uh, puts it into action within Apple that they seek out diverse workers, uh, they, they seek out the opportunity to have uh, diverse people around the table, but then that that in and of itself isn't enough. You have to then really truly give them a voice. There needs to be a psychologically safe space for them to contribute, and then you have to be able to show that you value their contributions and their unique insights. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you need to uh, incorporate everything they say, but you definitely need to listen sincerely. You have to thoughtfully take the input, and then you do have to uh, show that you're willing to make adjustments as necessary based on the diverse perspectives around the table. So he believes strongly in diverse leadership and leveraging the capabilities and the capacities of all of those on his team. And I couldn't agree more. Number two, transparency is key. Cook knew transparency would be key to leadership. With harsh criticism about the standards of Apple's global employees, he opened the doors and invited the world to see how Apple operates. By doing this, he not only created goodwill around the company, but set industry standards for other manufacturers. Our transparency in supplier responsibility is an example of recognizing that the more transparent we are, the bigger difference we would make. We want to be as innovative with supply responsibility as we are with our products. That's a high bar. The more transparent we are, the more it's in the public space. Transparency is absolutely key. If you want to build trust, amongst your organization, among your team, and have mutual accountability, then you have to be transparent, you have to be open and communicate openly. Now, Apple was being criticized for uh, the standards of, of those production workers around the globe, uh, not necessarily Apple employees, but suppliers, uh, employees of supplier organizations, uh, but also some Apple employees. And so what did he do? He opened things up. He invited people in. They took a good, long, hard look at their practices and looked for ways to improve. And th by being open and transparent, they were, gonna, they were able to really, truly see the problems that were uh, right in, there in front of them. They were able to make the needed adjustments. And by doing so, they were able to, to actually model for the rest of the industry uh, global trends, uh, global best practices in in production and how we go about doing that in a more ethical way. He did that because he saw and understood the value of transparency. And he understood that if if Apple's going to have a good continue to have a good reputation in the community and amongst its consumer base, and if they're going to do the right thing for people around the world, for workers, that they had to be more transparent and they had to own up to the problems that they were helping to create and the systems that were there uh, that, that contributed to the exploitation of workers. 
Now, within organizations, we have all sorts of problems all the time. And even the best uh, organizations, the most well-meaning leaders, are going to still have issues in their organizations because people, human beings, they're messy. We're complex. And when we get together, we interact, messy stuff happens. And so ultimately, we just need to be open and transparent about it so we can work through the challenges. And if we just hide it, if we just pretend like it's not there, then things fester, things become more of a problem, and ultimately we're not able to address them. We need transparency if we want trust. We need to openly communicate if we want to uh, address and solve problems. And I really appreciate that focus and that emphasis that he gives to transparency. Number three, listen to your customers. If anything, it humbles you. You think you understand your customers, but do you? Even Tim Cook, head of the world's most valuable company, carves out time to walk around company stores and read customer emails. Cook says, I'll walk around our stores. You can learn a tremendous amount in a store. I get a lot of emails and so forth, but it's a different dimension when you're in a store and talking to customers face to face. You get the vibe of a place. Not allowing yourself to become insular is very important, maybe the most important thing, I think, as a CEO. Along with the points about diversity and the point about transparency, the next point that you have to listen, I mean, it just flows, right? It makes perfect sense. And if you were to be more transparent and if you were to have more diverse voices around the table, but you don't actually listen, then what's the point? But he really emphasizes the, impo- the, the, the importance of active listening and to truly look for the feedback from all stakeholders to the point that he'll actually read, as the CEO, he'll actually read customer emails. He'll actually go to the stores and he'll walk around and he'll see how people interface with, uh, with the employees and with the products. And he'll get a better sense of what is going well and what they could possibly improve. I I really like a lot about this because what he's demonstrating, again, is his humility that he doesn't have it all figured out and he recognizes the need to stay connected. It's so easy within organizations, uh, particularly within really large organizations, for for the C-suite, the CEO and the the other C-suite executives and really anyone high up uh, in the organizational hierarchy to really just be in kind of their own bubble. And they just, despite their best intentions, if they aren't finding ways and having mechanisms to directly interact with line workers and with customers, they're going to be off in their own little world and they won't truly know what's going on. Things get filtered as they work their way up in organizational uh, communication hierarchy and pipeline. And so he's, he's cutting out the middleman. He's going straight to the source. He's trying to understand. And I applaud him for that. That means he truly wants to know. He's not just going through the motions. It's not lip service. He wants to know how people are experiencing their products. He wants to know the experience of his employees. And he's willing to put in the time and the effort to better understand. And I love it. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. 
Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Number four, you can only do a few things great. Considering the size of Apple, it's pretty remarkable to think about how few products the company actually creates. I mean, if you really look at it, we have four iPods, we have two main iPhones, we have two iPads, and we have a few Macs. That's it. The point is to focus on what you do best and do it the best you can. We argue and debate like crazy about what we're going to do because we know we can only do a few things great. At the right time, we'll keep disrupting and we'll keep discovering new things that people didn't know they wanted. You can only do a few things great really honing in, focusing in on those things that can be your competitive advantage in the marketplace. That's really important. And there's a tendency for people to want to try to just be all things to all people. And while that might seem like a good idea and that might sound nice, the problem is we have limited resources. We have a limited cognitive load to be able to manage all the various types of things that an organization might try to do. We have limited financial resources, fi uh, limited production resources. The bottom line is we can't do everything and we can't be everything for all people. So we have to pick and choose and we have to be really deliberate about why we choose to do some things and not do other things. At Apple, they, they really do focus in. They're, they don't have a huge wide range of products that they uh, bring to market. They really focus and they, they want to make sure that they're disruptive, that they're adding value, that people will see what they're doing as something uh, that, that will really enhance the quality of their life. And they focus in on those few products and they let other stuff go. They let other companies have that market share in other areas because they know if they can focus in on a few things and do them exceptionally well and continue to set the pace um, in the market for that type of product that they will have loyal customers. And that's exactly what Apple's been able to do. I know of few brands that have a, a more loyal customer base than Apple and all of the Apple products, the whole Apple ecosystem. Uh, people are devoted to it. In some ways, it's, I mean, at times I'm like, wow, this is like religious or almost cultish the way people are so, so uh, invested into their Apple products. Um, but, you know, kudos to Apple, kudos to Cook, kudos to the team for focusing on creating such amazing products and such a great user experience and, and such a great customer experience that people just want to keep coming back again and again and again. And they keep innovating uh, in ways uh, that push the envelope uh, in the industry 
And, and they're only able to do that because they focus limited resources on bringing uh, forth new innovations and new uh, great products to market, focusing on what they do best. And number five, admitting you're wrong. Ultimately, Cook's advice for entrepreneurs and CEOs is advice that's pretty helpful for everyone. So many people, particularly, I think, CEOs and top executives, they get so planted in their old ideas and they refuse or don't have the courage to admit that they're now wrong. Maybe the most underappreciated thing about Steve was that he had the courage to change his mind. And you know, it's a talent. Admitting you're wrong, willing to acknowledge that you may have made a mistake or that your thinking wasn't the best thinking, willing to recognize it, admit it, acknowledge it, to apologize, and to move on. All of that is necessary to heal, to uh, to really move on, especially if people have been harmed by the decisions that you've made or by the things you've said or or the actions that you've taken. You need to be able to apologize. You need to be able to admit it. And it takes humility to be able to do that. Uh, I know many executives who would never admit when they were wrong, even when it's pretty stinking obvious. And it's for a number of reasons. One, their ego. They just can't bring themselves to admit it, and they, they'll end up scapegoating other people and throwing other people under the bus. Uh, two, sometimes organizations are just worried about liability, and they don't want to admit fault or that they were wrong because they, they're worried about um, litigation. They're worried about the negative consequences or how it could impact their stock value. Uh, ultimately, Cook takes the approach of, yeah, I'm just going to own it. If I do something wrong, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to apologize. We're going to acknowledge it. We're going to fix it. We're going to move on. Ultimately, we have to live with the consequences of our mistakes. He owns up to it. And I really, really appreciate that. Again, that's just a real sign of humility of someone who is focused on the needs of others and someone who wants the organization to be the best it can possibly be and for everyone around him to maximize their potential. We can't maximize our potential. We can't uh, push the envelope and we can't truly excel and succeed if we're not able to acknowledge the problems, the faults, the mistakes. We, we acknowledge them. We address them. We iterate. We innovate. We move forward. And ultimately, that's all anyone can expect. Nobody expects perfection. Nobody expects that we always make the right decision or that we always 100% uh, will be able to do the right thing. But people do expect a good faith effort and they do expect that you'll be transparent about uh, what happens and if there are bad consequences, that you will actually try to fix them, acknowledge them, apologize sincerely, and then move forward. That's what he does. That's what Apple tries to do. I really appreciate it. And I think we can all take a, a lesson out of the, of his book in terms of how he deals with apologizing and admitting fault. I really appreciate this short ink video. I think there's some really great lessons here, some good insights from Cook and his style and his approach that I think we can all try to emulate and that will help us to better lead our teams, uh, be there for our people, and have more successful organizations. As always, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. 
Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.